The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Envision, fostering a community for change. Your co-hosts are Ronnie Langer-Kroger and Thomas Rosenberg. In today's program, you'll meet fascinating people who are implementing innovative ideas to make a difference both locally and globally. Now, here is your host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Envision. I'm your co-host, Thomas Rosenberg. I titled this episode, Strengthening the Center by Supporting the Margins. I could have chosen small is beautiful. And that's especially true about where to start with an intentional approach to building and enhancing community. You know, the three legs of permaculture, I feel, summarize this intentional approach beautifully. Earth care, people care, and fair share. The ethics of this intention boil down to the idea that a decision in one of the areas considers and enhances the other two. One of the challenges of developing a regenerative community is making sure that everyone is fully heard. And there are those stakeholder groups that that already have their voices heard consistently, And then there are those who might be overlooked, who are struggling to regain their dignity. This could include, for example, the homeless, the previously incarcerated, and recent immigrants. By consciously and intentionally including these typically marginalized stakeholders, we weave a stronger center, one that's more resilient and more likely to thrive. Today, we're talking about how the news community Project Harrisonburg and Vine and Fig are strengthening the center by supporting the margins. And to discuss this with me is Tom Benevento, Sustainable Living Homestead Director from Harrisonburg, Virginia. Hi, Tom, and welcome to the show. Hi, Thomas. Thank you. I'm uh, excited to be here with you. Wonderful. So let's just dive right in and start with describing what the new community venture sorry new community project is and what vine and fig is if you could explain those two projects and and organizations and and what they do okay yeah i will um i want to preface that with just a couple things as we get started and i appreciate your introduction there i just want to say as a you know a white male i have a certain perspective uh, with all of its sort of blind spots and shortcomings, and like you sort of alluded to, there are many other voices in this particular presentation that are not represented, so I just want to respect that reality. The other thing is that at the core of what we're doing is really integral, the work of integral nonviolence and seeking some kind of authenticity at, at a number of levels, which I'll explain a little later. And then thirdly, as a preface, I just want to say that we are uh, you know, sort of a ragtag, diverse bunch who are trying to figure things out. You know, we have a mixture of people who are um, highly educated, people who've been in prison, people who've been abused, been on the streets, others who are more privileged, others who are not. So it's this interesting mix, and um, what we found is forgiveness, gratitude, and <laughs> mercy have been kind of the central parts, and for us not to take ourselves too terribly serious, to be a little bit more lighthearted about the work that we're doing. So with mm-hmm. that, um, 
Thank Nick you Canini very Project. much. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say thank you for the the very very honest upfront preface. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, New Community Project and Vine and Fig. Just to clarify, Vine and Fig is the center name of the site that we have, but New Community Project is the nonprofit, the faith-based nonprofit that's been around for about 13 years, and um, is designed to really link social justice and ecological issues together um, through experiential learning. And really, the origins of New Community Project come from learning tours led by um, the founder, David Radcliffe, leading uh, groups from the United States to other parts of the world, particularly hot spots where there's oppressive situations, uh, poverty, environmental crises, even war, and having people learn and listen to uh, village people in these sort of places like South Sudan, Myanmar, Guatemala, and hearing their voices and being inspired by what they have to say. And much of what they are saying is that we need to go back to our own country and rethink about how we live and rethink about our policies, our militarism, our affluence. And so the site in Harrisonburg, Virginia, was inspired by those voices um, from other parts of the world to figure out a way that we might live differently here in the United States um, that would respect those kinds of relationships. And um, kind of the power of New Community Project, it is it has a very local focus for transformation, yet is very linked into and inspired by our global community. So there's this flow back and forth of of sharing and learning and and movement towards something better. Um, more specifically, our mission is to cultivate and celebrate works of of social justice and eco- ecological healing as building a foundation for nonviolent culture and way of life. And some of the questions that we ask ourselves is how can we live in such a way where 7.4 billion people really matter and all the other creatures that we share the earth with? And also, how can we create new systems and structures that divest from violence and destruction and give people something that they can say yes to? Um, So those are kind of foundational. Another piece is that we we believe in uh, the intersectionality of, of justice and ecology um, when we think about issues of mass incarceration or species extinction, racism, climate change. Those are really all manifestations of a deeper issue and deeper ill that we have of, of domination. Um, I think it's important to recognize that we are we're really at a pivotal moment in human history and really the Earth's history. And humanity is facing one of its greatest challenges ever, but it's also facing one of its greatest opportunities um, to make innovation and a shift that revolutionizes how we relate to one another um, from a model of domination and exploitation to one of inclusion, equity, collaboration, and and cooperation. Um, So those are really important pieces to us. Yeah. Um, Another couple, actually, uh, that we believe in is that no matter what someone's background might be or trauma or brokenness, that they have the potential to be transformed to become instruments of, of love and compassion and peace, um, and that we can actually be positive influences on the planet rather than just neutral or negative. Um, I can, I'll get into the details of, of what, um, what we do here in just a minute, but I want to give you just some background. Um, my own personal journey with this 
really related to my experience in Guatemala. I was there for about eight years and working uh, in return refugee communities and learning from, from people there. And there are a couple of things that happened for me personally um, that it's kind of interesting because it, it both um, looks at the impact of our control and affluence and also like the alternative that we have that doesn't really require lots of consumption and such. Um, I, I spend a lot of time with... Um, village folks, um, indigenous people in particular, and, and learned a really different kind of worldview from them. But as you may know, Guatemala was through a 36-year kind of internal war, and I, uh, I was working on a project there in a village called Chitabrui, and um, a woman named Doña Sebiliana, a Mayan Kakchikel-speaking woman, we were at her home designing and building a fuel-efficient cook stove using you know, mud and clay and bricks and sort of things like that. And she uh, she had this beautiful little home, adobe house and sort of a cornstalk-made kitchen and uh, beautiful flowers and chickens running around. And she had this beautiful woven we-peel shirt on and braids coming down against that beautiful colored shirt. She's probably in her mid-60s or so. And my friend Juan and I were working on this wood stove, designing and building it wood cook stove and she was just very chipper and sort of hopping around pleasantly and then all of a sudden she just in the kitchen she just sort of leaned up against the adobe wall and her bare feet started shaking and hitting the floor strange and her whole body started shaking and she uh, she just broke out in intense crying and my friend Juan and I stopped what we were doing and we were just kind of startled by it and she she began to unfold this story of horror inside her that that uh the, the Guatemalan military had come through her village and was just destroying everything. It was what they called the scorcher's policy. And every, you know, mango tree and, and avocado tree and coffee plant, they just cut down and they burned houses and they, uh, they took children and they used them like baseball bats. And they, they just destroying human beings and everyone. And she ran for her life screaming and hid inside a big bush of sauco which is an uh, elderberry plant that was very dense, and she could look through the leaves, and about less than 10 yards away, she saw the military capture her husband, and her uh, son was strapped onto his back, and the soldier had first um, cut the head off of her baby and then off of her husband, and she just uh, kept sobbing, and it was just incredibly powerful. And she said to me, you know, I appreciate what you're doing here, but we, I think it's really important that you recognize the impacts of your country and much of what's happened here. We noticed that the, the helicopters that were flying over were made in the United States and the, the uh, rifles that they use were stamp made in the USA. And she said, you know, it's better for you to go back home and think about how your lives are affecting this place and your policies. And I was pretty shaken by that. And very honored to hear that kind of perspective and, and that voice. It's often not heard, as Oscar Indeed. Romero points out. Um, so that was one piece that really drew me to the work of New Community Project. The other then was living with Guatemalan families, and I began to see that yet they live with little. There was this vitality. It was just incredible. Um, the Baca family, I've spent about five years living with them, and just a small little house made of wooden sticks and a dirt floor and 
They use about three candles at night and a little bundle of firewood. And I mean, for five years, almost every night we were up laughing and laughing, like holding your stomach. And just this realization, like, wow, these guys have so little, yet they have so much in a different way. And um, so that got me to rethink about what's really um, what's really important and, and sort of figure out what, what we need to value in us. Indeed. Wow. Those are really powerful stories, Tom. Thank you for, for sharing that. That's uh, <laughs> pretty... Uh, deep place to go right off the bat, but I really appreciate that, <laughs> that context yeah. and, and just to understand, you know, as I spent two and a half years in Peace Corps in Bolivia. Mm. So, and I've also been to Guatemala. So I resonate strongly with, with what you're saying and, and your experiences and just to see yeah. the footprint of of this country and not always in a positive light. And so it's, uh, it's something that, that we need to, to think about is what's the, yeah. what's the impact of how we live. I was curious, you mentioned earlier before you dove mm-hmm. into the, the first story was you mentioned about the, New, uh, how the, the founder of New Community Project, David, I believe, is, uh, was using, was inspired by the learning tours that he was doing. And I was curious, are you still including learning tours in how you're, you're doing your work right now? Or are you, is that how you stay in touch with, yeah. with these families in Guatemala? Yeah, that's really still very central to the work. Um, David Radcliffe uh, leads most of those. I lead some occasionally, both to the sugar plantations in the mountain regions of Dominican Republic and Guatemala, and then uh, David Radcliffe leads leads them in various places around the world. And there's, I think there's five or six lined up for this summer and fall that people can sign up to if they'd like to. You know, looking at the uh, New Community Project website, you can find those there. And really, okay. the idea behind that is to help us see ourselves not, not just as American citizens, but really global citizens that mm-hmm. we're recognizing that we're all in this kind of together and recognizing our, our common humanity. And yeah. I think that really drives a lot of this work. And also yeah. realizing that, <laughs> um, you know, my first sort of inclination working in Guatemala is this, this idea of, you know, wanting to be about saving the world. And as like poet Gary Snyder and Wendell Berry often talk about, um, we we really need to just find some place and stop, and that really the work of saving the world is about our own places. Like we can actually save places uh, more so than than trying to think about saving the whole world. <laughs> so this, mm-hmm. these learning tours are kind of about that. Help us get that perspective, and then really dig into our own local communities and see how we can we can be transformed agents. And I think if we all did that, things can really really take a turn. Indeed. Yes. No, I, I totally agree. It's, it's, I think the, the, the coined term is global, right? Think locally, yeah. act locally. And, yes. and it's really having that sense of what it means to see each other fully as humans 
and and benefit and recognize from the diversity of experience and 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 allow that to to enrich our our lives yeah one of the things that we found important with our work locally here is that through those kinds of experiences we need to continue to be embodying that and so new community project uh, specifically here locally would be vine and we chose a site that is kind of one of those broken places or places that are often sort of forgotten about in our city. Uh, it was considered kind of a wasteland. It was an area that had been <clears throat> uh, kind of bulldozed over and there's a lot of pollution there. Um, we have two houses that are well, kind of abandoned crack houses. We're on a floodplain. We're um, next to one of the state's most polluted streams and we're on a busy street. <laughs> so <clears throat> it's this sort of positioning our lives in places like that that help us uh, see a different way of how we relate to the world and, and our community together. Mm. Um, you mentioned permaculture, and one of the principles in permaculture is honoring and respecting the margins, the edges, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of potential happens and where where new things can emerge that we might not expect. And I think that's that's really true both ecologically and socially. And so we physically and sort of socially position ourselves on that kind of edge. We're speaking with Tom Benevento from New Community Project Harrisonburg, and we'll be right back after a short break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Is your community on a journey to build consensus or define a vision for the future? Do you want your organization and people to flourish? Are you feeling burnt out or seeking guidance to leave old patterns of thinking and being behind? With international experience in change leadership, consensus building, and organizational transformation, Thomas Rosenberg guides leaders and change makers, their organizations, and communities on their journeys of transformation. For more information and to contact him, visit Regenerate.coach. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Would you like to be the change you see needed in the world? Are you ready to make a difference? If so, tune in to Voice for Truth with host Sharon Wyckoff. Every show will be filled with inspiring content to support you in recognizing your greatness. Guests will share their expertise. Young people will tell how they are making a difference. You too can be a voice for truth. Listen live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You are listening to Envision. To find out more about the program or to leave comments and questions, please visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back to Envision. We are here with Tom Benevento from New Community Project Harrisonburg and Vine and Fig. We were talking about what inspires him and what inspired him to start this work and a little bit about what drives the work. So now I would like to shift our discussion, Tom, to about what you're doing and, and the different projects that you're, you're working in. So if you want to share a little bit more about yeah. the Sustainable Living Center and some of the other projects, that would be great. Yes, I sure can. Um, our, our mission, like I said earlier, was that it's designed to um, – cultivate and celebrate and join hands really with others locally and around the world who are working for justice and ecological healing as this foundation for non, a nonviolent way of life. And so we have three main objectives in that work. One is to um, build a supportive home for people who are coming out of difficult life circumstances. So our, our Vine and Fig Center, which is kind of somewhat like a Gandhi and ashram sort of model, is um, a place where people who've, who've been through some difficult spaces in, in their lives can can find safety and healing and support. So we have um, three houses uh, plus about three more supportive houses of, of neighbors who've kind of moved in, in the area to, to kind of be an extended kind of community. And we have a couple of tiny houses as well. And there we host people who are coming out of um, addiction, who've been on the streets, who've fled from really abusive um, relationships and need need a space that's healing for themselves. We also have a house that receives refugee families from around the world. Right now we have a family of eight from the Congo who fled and uh, were in refuge in Tanzania. Um, so this space is, is designed to, we have lots of gardens and things growing around it. Um, and it's, it's kind of a green space for kids to be able to be there. We have um, well, well-being meetings on a regular basis that help people process uh, dynamics and conflicts. We have a bell of mindfulness that's woven into our day where um, it sort of a, comes from a Buddhist practice that helps us mark time and slow down and look at the present moment. Uh, we also, uh, you know, enable people to find jobs and education and get some counseling and that sort of thing. So that's kind of the first layer. The second layer then is this living laboratory. So among the houses, we have a permaculture site that's designed to uh, be an experimental station for lots of students, uh, both like from elementary, middle school to university, graduate students um, and older adults, churches come and learn and explore and share their ideas. Um, and that all kind of fun, crazy things happening. Um, we have, uh, for example, we have aquaponics going, we have greenhouses, we have a biomass hot water heater, we have an edible gray water, fuel fences, lots of gardens. Uh, we have a Bolivian-designed Walpini sunken greenhouse. Um, mm. And we have about 20 students doing their senior capstones from the universities. We have others doing internships. So it's a really dynamic, exciting place that is then interface with this first objective of people who are coming out of difficult life circumstances and there's interactions going on and we begin to see our own our own brokenness in, in, in the journey of needing to heal ourselves and our, and our land together. So that's kind of the second 
objective. Then the third one is then this site becomes uh, an incubator or initiator of projects that go outward on a bigger scale to the broader uh, community of Harrisonburg and even the Shenandoah Valley. And there we have uh, bigger projects that, that we're really working on that are, that are transformative. Um, one of them that we started a few years ago is called the North End Greenway, and that is a, uh, a bicycle path that's weaving through the city off street, 10 feet wide asphalted path that actually follows the, the polluted stream I had mentioned to you, Black's Run. And so we designed this project to, um, really based on a lot of the permaculture principles of making it multifunctional. So it, it weaves through um, neighborhoods that wouldn't normally get a bike path. Often they're built in middle or upper middle class neighborhoods. This weaves right next to Salvation Army, right by uh, recent immigrant trailer courts. It hooks into a nursing home. Um, it follows the stream, which along with building it, we're doing stream restoration um, to clean that up as well. And that's become a pretty strong community project. We've, we've helped to bring together, uh, you know, about a million and a half dollars for that project for this first phase. And I've gotten lots of community members involved with it. Another outside project is uh, a refugee market garden that we're just getting started. Uh, a young woman is developing that and working with the many refugee families that live here in Harrisonburg who've come from war-torn zones who have been farmers and have end up coming here and working in chicken factories. And it's a pretty rough, <laughs> rough go. So this is a beginning opportunity for people to reconnect with their culture and their lives in farming and then our goal is then to help create at least some supplemental income. Right now we've got four or five families um, working on a piece of property that was long-term leased to us for free by some generous uh, donors. It's about uh, five acres or so, and that's kind of just getting off the ground. And then the third project is what we call Renew Rocktown. And Rocktown is the uh, original name or the older name of Harrisonburg. It's really rocky around here. <laughs> Uh, but that's a project specifically focused on creating and implementing a socially just climate action plan for the city itself. And there's lots of moving parts on that project, um, including uh, focuses around energy efficiency, buildings, affordable, renewable energy. We're creating a business coalition to kind of use that as leverage to, to work with our city council. Uh, we also uh, help to create a, a committee called the Environmental Performance Standards Committee that is actually a part of the city. Now we're working both in a governmental sort of fashion, a number of us in that group is part of the city's project as well as in the citizens group. Um, and we have some exciting goals around that. Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell, these three objectives, supportive home, living laboratory, and then we incubate and initiate projects outward on a bigger scale. And I think what's important to say is that, you know, just describing the, the projects is one thing, but, but thinking about how they really are affecting people's lives, um, it's really about, um, about creating love and compassion on a one-on-one -on -one basis and transforming all, all of our kind of one another. Uh, we have two people that are part of our community. One uh, woman, uh, Susan, she, uh, you know, came from, she'd been homeless for about three decades. She'd struggled with alcohol. She'd been in, uh, out of jail and really struggled a long time. And uh, now she's in a little tiny house that we have. And she uh, 
she's really come to recognize all these beautiful talents she has. Uh, one is being an artist, and one, another is being a real counselor and support for other people. We also have another person who uh, was born with fetal alcohol syndrome and you know, was on the streets when he was about 16 years old and um, you know, it's kind of struggles and he lives in one of our houses and he really wanted to become a welder. That was kind of his dream and we got him hooked up to some free welding classes through the community college and realized that he, he has a hard time reading because of his disability. And one of the beautiful things that happened one time is I came uh, into the house, it was like 10 o'clock at night, there was maybe a leak in a pipe or something and as you enter in the, the door, the office, our office is on the right side, and there was Susan sitting there uh, reading this big, thick, uh, technical uh, welding book to this guy, uh, John, who was learning to weld, right? Because he couldn't read it. And she's up to like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night just, you know, lovingly reading this textbook so he could understand the material, um, super dry kind of book and there's just this beautiful thing that happened like the potential behind all of us and this ability to be transformed and be instruments of love to see that happening in this work and in some ways that's the privilege I have of being in the middle of seeing goodness kind of emerge out of people mm-hmm. um, all these reactions and indeed so I'm curious what made Harrison Berg a good candidate initially for for new community project or this type of work in, in general, where, what, what was seen that, that helped make that choice of this is where we're going to plant this seed. Right. <laughs> I had a number of factors. Um, one on a personal level, it was closer to my, my folks, not too far away in Pennsylvania. And as they're aging, I want to be close to them. Um, and then as an organization, it was a region that they already had a lot of connections to communities and church communities. And then Harrisonburg itself is a very diverse, small little city of about 50,000, large um, Hispanic population, large refugee population. And it's, it's sort of a place that's on the edge of being, um, moving towards some kind of transformation. And it's a size, it's kind of manageable. And I, I love the size of Harrisonburg because... I feel like I can engage with my city council members and really get to know city staff and community members on a deeper level. And um, I just feel like it's a, it's a really good space to, to make these changes start to happen. Mm-hmm. Is, excuse me, is Harrisonburg on, has it been on the, the uh, list for the office of refugee resettlement to diversify with international refugees coming in? Or, yeah, it, it is. It's a, a site of the uh, Refugee Resettlement Office. There's there's bunches of them across the country, and Harrisonburg yep. happens to be one. One of and them. That's what okay. Really does. Yeah, one of the. So we have people from uh, yeah, many people from the Congo, from Iraq, from uh, Russia, from Eritrea. It's it's really mm-hmm. exciting. The schools here have, you know, even though it's a small city, we'll have like 50 different languages spoken and spoken in the public school. Wow, that's that's really yeah. both challenging and really exciting. I mean, that, that's <laughs> yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, really. That, that's an awesome, awesome <laughs> attribute. So, uh, how was the support? Because obviously, you've you've been doing this for a few years in in Harrisonburg, and so I was curious how has how was the support at the beginning, and how yeah. has that grown or changed yeah. over time? 
Well, I would say it's been really positive. We've kind of hit it right at the right curve of a wave or something. But um, I think the mix of the kind of community we have, we have a, a large Mennonite community, a uh, large Hispanic community, and then refugee community as well. And then we have kind of the old Virginia. So it's this interesting mix. And um, there's been remarkable support, even even within the city government and city staff and officials. Um, we've had to work together as we've come across problems with zoning and such, the city staff have been really open to trying to figure out how can we make this work. Um, it, of course, it hasn't been without challenges. We've <laughs> come up against numbers of regulations on the state level that have to be imposed in this, on the city level that they can't really change that makes it difficult for us to do some of the things. Um, for example, when we first started, um, it was actually at our own home, and then there was an abandoned house next to us with six bedrooms, and we thought, oh, this is perfect. We could start all this right here and tie the land together. And as it turns out, the zoning is such that we could only have two people living in this six-bedroom house, and so it was violating all these codes. And um, So we had to learn some of those things along the way. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, yeah, we, we have been... Um, yeah, really appreciative of the kind of support that we felt here in Harrisonburg. Um, and, uh, how was, so when you, with with the expansion of the Renew Rocktown and also the North End Greenway, how, what were the types of obstacles that you encountered with, with that or the kind of support that you were pleasantly surprised to have? Yeah, well, we have, we've had tons of like community support, just very strong. Um, we, when we were getting the North End Greenway uh, under underway and getting it sort of in the city's master plan of bicycle and pedestrian systems uh, and also looking to get the city to put forth some money, we packed the city hall like out the door and out to the street with community members who really wanted to see this happen. Um, so at that level, really powerful stuff. I think just sort of on the ground bureaucratically and systemly to like build the path has taken a number of years to really get it off the ground working with some of the uh, regulations and landowners and because it's going to be in a floodplain um, and the city has uh, short on staff and so they have other projects so that's been the hard part is to move this thing quickly in particularly for the way we see things and given uh, the reality of climate change these systems have to change relatively quickly mm-hmm. pretty quickly actually um, and maybe I want to back up on this, um, is that we, yeah, we want to not just transform personal lives, but also whole systems that can make it easier for other people to, to do the, the sustainable things that we need to, to do on our, in our communities and on our planet. Mm-hmm. So I think that actually so brings we, me, I, I, wa- I want to share a little bit more if I could. Do we have a moment yet? Well, we've, why don't we... Take a break right now, and you can can pick up that thought right after we return. So we have to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your community on a journey to build consensus or define a vision for the future? Do you want your organization and people to flourish? Are you feeling burnt out or seeking guidance to leave old patterns of thinking and being behind? 
With international experience in change leadership, consensus building, and organizational transformation, Thomas Rosenberg guides leaders and change makers, their organizations, and communities on their journeys of transformation. For more information and to contact him, visit Regenerate.coach. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Envision. To find out more about the program or to leave comments and questions, please visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back. We are speaking with Tom Benevento from Vine and Fig in Harrisonburg, Virginia, the new community projects affiliate there in, in the Shenandoah Valley. And... Tom, just before we went to break, you were about to speak a little bit more about the the Gandhian principles that underlie some of the work that you're doing. So, I'd like to hear a little bit more about uh, about those principles. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 pretty important to us, um, and then also some of the elements that really inform our work, kind of on a kind of a grounded level. Um, the, the model of social change that we really look at and think about is a Gandhian approach called integral nonviolence. And it has mainly like sort of three spheres that, that we focus in on. And the first sphere is that personal transformation, looking at how we can change our personal lives, uh, both learning about, you know, nonviolent communication, maybe trying to, uh, you know, ride our bicycles when we can, um, you know, living with less consumption, fossil fuels, those sorts of things. Um, and that's kind of the foundation. And then the next sphere that kind of hooks into that would be constructive program, and that's then building the positive systems that we need to see on a bigger scale in our community. For example, <clears throat> riding a bicycle is, is a, an important thing to do, but to then be working on building a bike path um, to then create a platform for more people to, to do that is like uh, Peter Morin said, he's a co-founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, he said, how can we create a society in which it's easier for people to be good? So to create these systems that help people divest from destructive things, that help them say yes to something. And that's the, a lot of the work we have with the North End Greenway, Renew Rocktown, 
you know, making space for more people to grow food, that kind of thing, as constructive programs. And then the third sphere would be the uh, direct nonviolent action, looking systemically at, at the bigger issues on a political level. That's kind of where you say no <laughs> to certain structures. And so that's some of the work that we'll be, we're building more and more now. Um, and it's important for us to recognize that, um, uh, that this work for us is then informed in a couple different ways that keep us kind of on track, keep us guided forward. And we have a few areas that, that we try to keep our ear to the ground to. And that's one, one is uh, really listening to the science of ecosystems because they have been around for a really long time and they've developed sustainable kinds of systems that work over long periods of time. And as we use the principles in permaculture, which is based on ecosystems, um, it really helps guide how we, how we set things up. And we can use that both on a physical and a social level. Um, you know, I can think of a principle of, of multifunctionality, like a, you know, a tree has many functions to it. It can do many good things. And how can we design in such a way that whatever we put into our system, it, it gives out many many events. Um, a second thing that we are informed by is listening to the wisdom of what we call old growth cultures, people who have lived well on the land for a long time, um, primarily indigenous communities, and how they see the world. <clears throat> Not that they're perfect, uh, but if we look kind of internationally of, of these kind of cultures that live, there's some principles that they've followed um, that we can learn from, and I think our culture really needs to begin to embrace, such as reverence, uh, for, for all of life, um, thinking about reciprocal gratitude, that what we take from the earth, we need to bring back forth to it. And then also, really, what we're doing now, we have to think about future generations and this capacity to protect the future. Um, so that old growth culture wisdom is really important for us to listen to. A third one is listening to, as Oscar Romero, the famous Archbishop of El Salvador once said, you know, listen to the voices of the or, or more, maybe more accurately, make sure that we're hearing the voices that aren't having a chance to be heard. Um, and that really guides us. And then from the community projects perspective, also the wisdom of, of the religions of the world, and particularly this, this organization, organization comes from a Judeo-Christian kind of background and the, the Sermon on the Mount. Is, is something that's pretty powerful as a flip upside down kind of cultural perspective of loving your enemies and blessing the meek and that sort of thing. So those are, those are important elements that kind of drive the direction of what we're doing, give us some sort of foundation. Mm. Thank you for that. So how can a community better support and encourage programs like Vine and Fig and like the new community project in Harrisonburg and in some of the other affiliate yeah. areas. Well, I would say, uh, yeah, people are, uh, for one thing, just coming to visit and, and learning what's going on here and um, getting to know who we are uh, is, is one way to do that. And I think also just recognizing the power that we each have and not being afraid to um, jump into your own creative process to create your own kind of story in this. Um, I think as a, because we're really not trying to franchise something or say that this is, 
you know, we only want to build this up, but we want to see this happening all over the country in all different kinds of places and in different kinds of models um, for people. Well, yes, but I also think that there's, there is a fundamental uh, three-legged stool for, you know, to use the permaculture base, mm-hmm. right? To say, you know, earth share, people care, or sorry, earth care, people care, and fair share, right? There's, there are yeah. fundamental elements to this that could be replicated with the, the genius of place that might occur in a particular community because that it is unique as an ecosystem wherever it happens to be. Exactly. Yeah. And we are actually building uh, affiliate groups around the country. We have, um, well, we have another sustainable living center that's being developed in Vermont. And then there's affiliates in New Mexico and Pennsylvania. And then we're tying ourselves in with a number of other communities and projects around the country uh, as we, have a chance to learn from each other and develop um, strategies to improve what we're doing mm-hmm. in a local, local context. Super. So what, what other communities are you, are you looking at or connecting with? Uh, well, the one in Vermont, uh, for example, is more of a rural situation and uh, it's in Starksboro, Vermont. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete is sort of heading that off, and they're working with rural Vermonters uh, doing some really interesting things, like uh, there's a number of trailer courts in the area, families who are struggling, and they've been designing and building edible fruit tree orchards or edible forest gardens at these trailer courts and creating a nice green space for people to both enjoy the space as well as begin to get uh, food from the from the trees Um and they have also a demonstration. So a lot of it modeled off of kind of what we're doing here in Harrisonburg. Mm-hmm. Super. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. So what are two or three top resources that you would recommend for someone considering starting something similar in their community? Obviously, you're, yeah. you're reaching out to different circumstances, rural, semi-rural, urban, but, you know, just considering, you know, whether it's the Renew Rocktown initiative or the the bike path with the North End Greenway or what you're doing mm-hmm. at the Sustainable Living Center at Vine and Fig, what, what do you recommend? Okay, yes. Um, well, of course, I recommend for anyone to come and visit and sit down and we can talk about ideas and about your particular context and uh, think about what the possibilities are. Um, also, I think it's just really important to place yourself in a position where you're on that edge of, of the community that you might want to be working with, that you're not outside of it, but you're, you're in the middle of it in many ways, as permaculture would recommend, to honor those kinds of edges. So that it helps us look in the right direction. <laughs> you know, as we you know, think about all of humanity stretched out um, from least resource to most resource, depending on what direction we're, we're looking it's going to affect how we respond and, and the things that we create. So if we can look in the direction or be placed in the direction of folks who have been, you know, in difficult circumstances and included places, um, that's going to really, that's a resource right there, um, mm-hmm. right in front of us. It's really critical. Um, there's some great books out there, of course, lots of permaculture stuff um, that gives you some of those principles from David Holgram to, uh, Tobin Hemingway's books. To there's many many things there to, to give you those foundational perspectives on 
Earth Care and People Care and Fair Share. Um, recommend uh, This is an Uprising book, which is really, really good at thinking about social movements and change. Another book is The Gandhian Iceberg, written by a friend of mine, uh, Chris Moore-Bachman. Um, another book that was really important to me was This Changes Everything by Naomi Klein, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I like the title of, of the, the Gandhian iceberg. That makes me all the more curious to go look it up. Yeah, that, that really talks a lot about the integral nonviolence and how we, how we need to put those all together. Mm-hmm. Super. So do you have other, other suggestions? I didn't want to cut off the list of recommendations there. Um, well, I think, yeah, I think those, yeah, there's, there's numbers of communities I'd suggest. The Possibility Alliance, Canticle Farm out in mm-hmm. California, um, Possibility Alliance in Missouri, um, Be the Change in Nevada and mm. Nevada City, um, places I would recommend to check out and visit. There's nothing better than uh, really meeting real people in, in real life and seeing what they're doing and, and hearing from them. Right. Absolutely. So I'm really curious because obviously coming from an energy climate change sustainability background myself, building a municipal climate action plan, I, I, I could make it, I could turn it very quickly, very technical, but I'm very curious about with Renew Rocktown, how you're making it socially just and so i was i was curious what what recommendations you would have for somebody seeking to make a or the elements that you would have people focus on to make sure that there is that social justice and equity involved in the planning process yeah yeah and that's that's definitely a, a real um growing edge for us um some of the things that we've been learning how to do that better is um First of all, starting the organization and bringing lots of different voices to the table in that in that um, process, and we had some difficulty in doing that in the beginning. But what we've been doing now is hooking up with other organizations and being supportive of, of their work, particularly front lines people with uh, people who are trying to create a union with the poultry and immigrant communities here, um, with the refugee communities, um, really trying to be in partnership with them um, and then learning from them and then trying to hear their voices and incorporating that into this socially just sort of orientation of a climate action plan. We're also looking at uh, places like Portland, Oregon and how they revamp their climate action plan to incorporate socially just sort of components to it. Um, We have people working within Renew Rocktown who've come out of um, situations where they haven't had much of a voice and so we listen to that and try to orient that. Like, for example, when we think about uh, renewable energy and energy efficiency, we want to make sure that we create this in an affordable way. Mm-hmm. Um, one project we're doing is working in trailer courts where we have largely Hispanic community members living there. And so building relationships with people there over time, hearing what they need, and then uh, what we're doing is doing energy efficiency on key trailers in each of the different trailer courts and, and then mm. we'll incorporate renewable energy as members of those communities being leaders to, to push that forward. Super. Uh, 
So how can people follow your story and the story of North End Greenway and Renew Rocktown? Well, they can uh, look us up on the web, for one thing, uh, renewrocktown.org and northendgreenway.org, newcommunityproject.org, and then we have a blog with Vine and Fig. Um, I do have to admit that we, we try to really do a lot of our work in the field and interacting with people, so we're not constantly updating <laughs> our sites, so just be aware of that. Um, but you're welcome to yeah take a look at that and also give us a call. Um, you can call us at our office, 540-432-3696. We can get you some information uh, to uh, and even help think about what you want to do in your community and the changes you might want to take, and I'm sure there'd be a lot of learning back and forth that can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds that sounds lovely. Well, thank you, Tom. It's mm-hmm. been a pleasure having you on the show. Well, my pleasure. I thank you for, for being invited, and thanks for the work that you're doing. You're, you're welcome. Feel free to reach out to Tom with questions through his the social media channels he, he mentioned, as well as just picking up the phone and giving him a call. Lastly, I want to let everyone know that I'm accepting new coaching clients, and if you are seeking support for your own leadership development or your community's journey of transformation, feel free to reach out to me via email, envision at regenerate.coach. My coaching style is developmental and is infused with a grounded presence. For more information, please visit my website at regenerate.coach. Thank you, and see you next time. Thank you for tuning in this week to Envision. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future shows, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Envision Regenerative Communities. For more information about today's guests and upcoming shows, please see our show page on voiceamerica.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.